0: Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been 13 months since my last recording of the Pacers pod. But I am back. I am here to reemerge, to uh, shed the dead weight, and to talk about the Pacers once again. Um, I was trying to tie that into giving confession at church, growing up Catholic, um, stating how long it's been since your last confession, I believe, is part of the protocol. Um, And so obviously, if you uh, are listening to this, you know that it's been over a year, or not that you'd be keeping track, but it's been a while since I've released or done an episode of the Pacers pod, Um, a lot of different factors going into that. Uh, I could blame the team. Um, I could blame, no, it doesn't matter. Uh, but the, the thing is, here I am and I'm, I'm getting back into it. I'm ready to put my thoughts in, um, onto this pod here and talk about the Pacers again because I've been watching them and, um, have some stuff I want to say. So, um, you know, I guess the, the, the to start off with on this episode is, um, There's just been a lot of change from the last time I released an episode, which was uh, in January of 2021, uh, to now, February of 2022. Um, And it's officially the end of the Victor Oladipo era. Uh, And so I want to start by kind of just talking, like reflecting on the era, almost like you were at like confession and you need to reflect upon the time between your last confession to now. What have you sinned? Where have you gone wrong? Um, The first part of this episode, I want to talk about the Victor Oladipo era, the Pacers, basically the last four years, Um, and just put a nice little bow on that and then move into the future, which is like so badly needed. As a Pacers fan, and it definitely feels like over the past, I guess it's probably been like two weeks um, or, or two, starting two weeks ago, that we are in a new era of the Pacers with uh, the, uh, obviously Victor had been traded uh, last year and with Sabonis being traded. That's kind of what made me think like this is officially the end of the, the Victor era, because even though he's been away from the team for over a year, um, him and Sabonis came over as a package. Sabonis was kind of like our guy when Vic left. It, you know, I, you could argue maybe it was Brogdon or, or it, maybe it's been Brogdon. But regardless, now Victor's been gone. Sabonis is now gone. Um, and it's, it's definitely, we have a new face. Uh, we have a new face to the franchise, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, who I'm super excited about and I want to talk about more later on in the episode, but like first just to I don't know just to like rewind all the way back to the beginning uh, for me as a Pacer fan the way that I am now, which is like watching the majority of the games um, You know, it started in 2017 2018 the first year with Oladipo on the Pacers him and Sabonis coming over from Oklahoma City and You know, that's when uh, the the magic kind of the spark happened in 2017, 2018 season. That team was just they came out of nowhere and they ended up um, I think they were either fourth or fifth in the Eastern Conference that year. And I want to say like um, going into the season, they were only projected to win 32 games. This was Paul George had just left and uh, nobody was thinking the Pacers were going to be any good. And this team with Victor Oladipo leading the charge ends up winning most improved player of the year that season, Um, you know, came out of nowhere and really kind of put uh, the Pacers back into relevancy really quickly uh, because the general consensus was that the Pacers were going to be uh, a bottom feeder team, at least this, this particular season, 2017, 2018. Um, And, you know, looking back on that season, it was the first season that, uh, in a long time, well, well, it was definitely the most Pacers I had ever watched. Um, and I also watched it alongside with my wife and we got into it, you know, following Vic from Indiana. Uh, we had the Indiana Connection when we used to watch IU games. Now he's with the Pacers. And, um, you know, we just really got into watching the Pacers and it was a lot of fun. And that team, that 2017-2018 team, and just to kind of, you know, go back to memory lane, we're talking about Darren Collison. uh you know Bogdanovich, Thad Young, Miles Turner. This was when Sabonis was coming off the bench. Uh, Corey Joseph. You know those are the guys I could think of off the top of my head. They, you know, they were underdogs, but they they had an identity. That team had an identity that, frankly, um, I feel like we haven't had in the past. You know, year and a half or two years. Like it's hard to say what the Pacers actually have been. But that team, the 2017-18 season team, it was the, I've said this on the podcast multiple times um, at first because I thought it was kind of corny, but, you know, just you look back at it now, McMillan, Coach Nate McMillan and the three T's, toughness, togetherness, and trust. And that's what this, that's what the team played with. Um, That's how the the play on the court actually looked. And it was fun to root for because you knew that the guys were committed to not only uh, trying to win games, but. Um, you know, like they, they wanted, they were committed to each other. They were committed to the coach. They were committed to the, the community or the city or the fans, uh, to bring their best. And that's honestly, that's almost like, mean, that's, that's a big chunk of what it is. You know, being a professional athlete or, or uh, let me, I don't know what it's like to be a professional athlete as a fan, uh, to me, I don't necessarily. It doesn't have to be championship or bust for me. It, it the winning and losing is just a byproduct of of the the ingredients of the team. And that 2017-18 season team, they they were way way better than the sum of all of the ingredients. Um con- contrast that with the team now or the team that we had this season where you or or maybe not even this season is the best example, but uh, Previously or, or recently, it feels like the team has been actually worse than what this, the 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 individual talent would stack up to be. Um, so so yeah, like that 2017 18 season was just amazing. Depot comes in, you know, he hits a ton of game winning shots. He uh, wins Most Improved Player of the Year. We take the Cleveland Cavaliers to seven games, and I was looking, I had to look this up because I could not remember. But this is the year that the Cavs <clears throat> made it all the way to the finals uh, they were swept by Golden State in the finals, but still, uh, if it, if it, if it was clearly a goaltend, there was a play where Oladipo had a layup, LeBron blocked it, air quotes the block because it was certainly a, a goaltend. And, and from memory without going back and looking, looking at like the actual game footage and stuff, I just remember that in the whole season. And I, I don't know if, if it was maybe the Pacers were going to win, uh, go up in the series three to two, or maybe it was even a, a you know, the Pacers would have won. It had that call been called correctly. I, I don't remember exactly, but the the point I'm trying to make is that the playoffs were insane that season in 2017-18 against, against LeBron and the Cavs. LeBron just carried those the Cavaliers past the Pacers, unfortunately. Um, but as a fan, it was like, oh, damn, like, what do we have here? You know, what? who is Victor Oladipo? Like, did... Has there ever been a player who just needed a new setting? Um, Because, you know, Vic early in his career was in Orlando. That's the team that drafted him. Then gets traded to OKC and plays alongside Russell Westbrook. And, um, you know, he just was... He was okay, but there was... Nobody saw this coming. And so with Vic being the IU guy, and then he was just saying all the right things. Like, I feel like when you look at the Victor Oladipo era, which is what what I'm doing and laying out right now, that first... First season, unfortunately, was the tastiest, and everything after that, um, it, it's, it was deteriorating. Um, so it was exciting though, and and it was so exciting. I was just looking back because I first I wanted to look back to see like how long ago was it that I recorded the last episode, and then I was curious as to when I started the podcast. Well, I started the Pacers pod on... The first episode was released released September 25th, 2018. So this would have been basically like in my head, I'm thinking about it and it would have been like, okay, it was awesome watching the Pacers play in the playoffs. And then I must have started deciding like, all right, I want to do a podcast about this. And then in September... I released the first episode. So I was ready to go start podcasting for the 2018, 2019 season, which in the Victor Oladipo era, this was like, this was um, kind of the season where it's like, Oh, like what, you know, what do we have here? Um, Looking back on it now, it was basically the same team. They brought back everybody. Nate McMillan was at the helm as the coach. You had Darren Collison, Victor Oladipo, Bogdanovich, Thad Young, Miles Turner, Sabonis, Corey Joseph, um, not a lot of roster changes. Like why, like why would you in a sense? Um, they probably just wanted to see, you know, continue to see like what, what they have, how, what can, what can Victor do? And and then, um, you know, and then this, this is the season where the Victor Oladipo era unfortunately kind of crashes. Uh, it, this was when the first injury popped up and I was looking back, uh, and I, and I, I forgot about this, but, uh, when you look back at the eighteen nineteen season, <clears throat> Vic gets injured um, about sixteen games into the season for for one time, and he misses fourteen games after this. And then, uh, basically, the, the Pacers were rolling. Oladipo was rolling to start the season. He he was averaging in these first sixteen games of the season: twenty four points, seven rebounds, five five assists, two steals. <clears throat> Um, but something happened. I don't remember what the injury was, but it was against Atlanta. We're probably talking about like December timeframe and he misses 14 games. No big deal. Vic comes back, plays another, um, let me see if I have this here. He, let's see, 32 and 15. Basically, you know, he misses. Okay. Sorry. I'll make it. This is going to, this is very wordy and numbers. Essentially. You know, Vic plays the first sixteen games of the season. Then he misses fourteen games due to injury, and then he plays another seventeen games. So he comes back from the injury, plays another seventeen games, and then there's the major injury uh, against Toronto Raptors uh, in January of twenty uh, what was that twenty nineteen, and it was the season endi- season endi- ending ending. Uh, what was that? His quad tendon maybe. Um, that he like ruptured and so the Pacers were sitting at 32 and 15 so we were humming right along that's a great record 32 and 15 um, on January 21st and that's when Victor Oladipo goes down against Toronto and my thesis of the Victor Oladipo era is essentially that um, from the great season of 2017-2018 to where we were as a franchise pre-two weeks ago with moving Sabonis, like, that's the start, this is the end. Um, that injury to Oladipo was when the soul got sucked out of the era. Um, and we were running on fumes ever since. Um, so, you know, it's, but, but there were some bright spots that season too. And that's the thing with looking back on this era. It's like, I think every single season, except for the season when they were actually their most competitive, which caught me off guard or you know, every other season I felt very um, like the Pacers had a, a lot to offer, you know that, that they could be competitive, that they had a lot of talent. I, I liked what they would do in the off seasons, but it just always kind of petered out. And so looking back on it now, first season was a, was a surprise. The second season, the Vic injury. You know, the Pacers still made the playoffs as of either a four or five season, a five seed, but they just got waxed in the playoffs. They got swept by the Boston Celtics. Um, they had no chance. They weren't in any of the games. And it was just like, you know what? That season sucked. Our best player went down for injury. I think when you're looking back, you just say this, this is the season we chalk up to injuries. Let's look ahead to, to the next season, the 2019, 2020 season, and that's when Oladipo should be back from his injury. And Kevin Pritchard gave us a lot to uh, be excited about because he made quite a few roster moves, um, refreshed that roster. You know, there were guys that were just kind of getting stale is what it felt like. But when you go back to the identity of that team with the three Ts, the toughness, togetherness, and trust, guys that embody that a lot, you know, like Thad Young and... um, I don't know about Darren Collison quite as much. Really, it was a healthy Vic that did a lot of that. But this refreshed refreshing of a roster that brought in um, T.J. Warren, Jeremy Lamb, T.J. McConnell, and the big the big fish signing Malcolm Brogdon um, in the offseason as a free agent. That was there was a ton of hype about that. Uh, I, I for one was super. I remember um, that's you know if you listen to this podcast, you probably have heard me say this before, but Um, My claim to fame when it comes to the podcast was I really wanted the Pacers to get Malcolm Brogdon. I was shocked when they actually did. Um, It kind of felt like uh, the stars were aligned. And I thought, oh, my God, it it worked. You know, I I wanted the Pacers to go out and get Brogdon. I thought Brogdon and Oladipo would be um, a really, really good, interesting, dynamic backcourt. And I think Brogdon could have complemented that that Victor Oladipo that we had in that first season of the era very, very well. Um, unfortunately, we just didn't get to see it. But, um, you know, just looking back again, going into that season, we got a refreshed roster. We know Oladipo is coming back at some point. I think we didn't know when it was going to happen. Um, but basically, Vic missed the first 47 games of the season, but the, but the Pacers were rolling. You know, they, were, they had a record of 30 wins and 17 losses. Um, you know that's really good. That's, I'm, I'm sure that that was still top four or five in the Eastern Conference, that's without your best player. There was a ton of hype. Victor's coming back. This was the year that, personally, um, I moved down to Indianapolis for like four months in, in the winter. Um, maybe just for the NBA. I think we moved in October and then came back up north in uh, the end of February. Yeah, right about the first of March and during that time we got to go to a ton of Pacers games this was a very fun season um we all there's just a ton of excitement because TJ Warren was looking really good um Malcolm Brogdon was playing really well and you know Sabonis obviously continued to to get better this was the first year that Sabonis made an all-star team so he with 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 moving Thad Young during that off season it opened up the starter minutes for Sabonis so we got to see you know Turner and Sabonis um and the Pacers were winning games. Like I said, they're thirty and seventeen, and they're looking good. And now it's time to reintroduce Victor Oladipo, bring back the Alpha. You know, we're still riding high in this Victor Oladipo era, even though we have now overcome this tragic injury that cost our best player um, a year of of playing time. And I was I just remember that you know I happened to be at this game that Oladipo came back. It was against the Chicago Bulls, and um it was it it, the being there and in the crowd i mean it was just like a homecoming of all homecomings old depot didn't play great but he hit this deep three to send the game into overtime um the pacers ended up winning it was like uh, you know I, i remember they had in the seats it was like old depot signs um and just i you know it just felt like man like we're doing really really good and now we get our best player like hold on here we go like last the season pre- prior was a blip and now we're ready to rock you know i mean that's what i felt like i felt like we were ready to rock and roll uh and then it just immediately like nosedived after that um bulls win uh because i was looking back and i forgot about this but the pacers lost their next six games uh with old depot so we would go from 30 and 17 with a so we had a record of 30 and 17 to a record of uh, I'm. A, I think we won that Bulls game, so it'd be like 31 and 23. Um, so you're like, what? What's go, what's going on here? And essentially, this was just the damage had already been done, and this was just like the first time we could smell the the stink of, of a d- the decaying era. And for whatever reason, Bro- I think Brogdon got injured shortly after Oladipo came back. They just those two never. They never played much together. Um, they never really like seemed like they cared about each other. Um, and I don't know if Victor was already checked out at that point or not, but, um, this season really kind of spiraled downhill. Uh, the Pacers still, you know, they were good enough where they were winning some games and they ended up, um, well, Oh you, yeah, this is a huge thing. So if you, the time frame when Old Depot came back from his injury was like mid January, and um, that you know, that March, it, COVID it hit for the first time, and um, the NBA suspended the season and, and didn't pick back up until the bubble that summer. Um, so it's like a shortened season, it was a jacked up season. Um, obviously, Old Depot did not integrate well with the Pacers, at, at, you know. That was like a very clear example of the, the sum of the parts not equal. Well, no, what would be that expression? It would it'd be like where um, they weren't as good as they were. The, the team was not as good as all the individuals in that made up the team. You would think that the team would have been better. And, and they certainly were not. The bubble was a disaster uh, because Old Depot was playing, but we had some some real hurt feelings here um, where there was news that came out that during the Miami Heat series, which the the Pacers, you know, that's who they played in the first round. Uh, they get swept by the, the Heat, you know, once again. So this would be uh, the second season in a row getting swept in the playoffs. Um, Old Depot, there's rumors that he had, you know, he was talking to the Heat guys saying, can I come play with you? So he was obviously not in it um and the whole you could just see it within the whole team we had some good individual stuff going on like I mentioned before that season Sabonis becomes an all-star uh, TJ Warren looked like a steal he put up uh 50 I think 53 points in that bubble and you know TJ Warren was a guy that the previous summer they they got from Phoenix for just like cash um and he played he was healthy that like so Warren was awesome Sabonis was awesome um, I, I'd say Brogdon was, was fine at that time, but like, it just didn't work. Victor, Victor wasn't good with it, um, and Nate McMillan, the head coach, he's the one that ends up taking the fall. And after the bubble, um, and uh, yeah, I do remember this, the Pacers had actually offered McMillan another extension or, or maybe picked up his contract for the next year. And so after the Pacers get swept, they're like, yeah, Nate, you, you can still be our coach next season. Um, but then it was like, no, after they got swept, you're out. And in comes Nate Bjorkren, first time new head coach. So when you're kind of looking at that season, it's like the previous season, you chalk it up to the Vic injury. Vic comes back in this season and and, and you still get swept. I think you kind of say, well, I think we're just kind of blaming the coach here. You know, Nate McMillan, it's like, yeah, the defense was good, but the offense was like, it, it was just dried up whenever you whenever you really needed a basket you had no one to go to um so Nate Mcmillan gets fired. they bring in Nate Bjorkran. um and but the Pacers, you know the, the decaying body is just starting to to wither at this point now um Bjorkren comes in I, you know I'll I should get out and I apologize for what I said on this podcast about, um, thinking that Bjorken was just going to be the savior of this team. Like I really thought that, that, uh, coaching change was going to be the right move. And it doesn't mean just because Bjorken didn't work out, doesn't mean that the, the coaching change wasn't the right move. I, I think it was just, um, me getting very overhyped about what is new. And I thought Bjorken was the mastermind behind the Toronto Raptors championship in 2019, um, So I was really excited for him. And it just, it did not work out in the Ren. He only goes here for the, for one season, but that season, you know, we go into the season, you knew that something needed to happen with Victor, but you also knew that you still had a lot of good things going. You know, you, you had a young, um, first year all-star in DeMontis Sabonis. You had TJ Warren putting 53 points in the bubble. It had a TJ Warren had a breakout season that year. You're thinking, all right, well, maybe Warren can have a bigger role. You still got Brogdon. You still got Turner. Um, what can you get for of depot? Like we're still in it. Like we just, you know, maybe we just need to reshuffle the cards a little bit. And, um, and, and, you know, but to start that season, Vic gets traded 13 games into the season. Uh, so he obviously wasn't, and he, he was out the, um He played, but he did, he just, you know, uh, he, he was not bought in and, and, Um, so 13 games into the 2020, 2021 season, Pacers move on from Victor Oladipo. They get Karis Levert and a couple second round draft picks, um, in this season, you know, TJ Warren back to reality. He only plays in four games and that's exactly probably what Phoenix, you know, why they let him go was just, it, it, and actually since these four games, TJ Warren still hasn't played. Um, so tj warren flopped in there um the pacers started off decent before vic got traded they finished 26 and 34 after victor oladipo was traded this was the season where i um you know or like basically the last podcast that i recorded was um shortly after victor had been traded so there just was the cupboard was was empty here i mean there just wasn't much to root for this season. TJ McConnell was fun. He brought energy. Um, the the inbound steals, um, the toughness from TJ was awesome. Sabonis and Brogdon, I mean, they put up a lot. Of, they put up great numbers, but you know the team wasn't winning as well as we would have hoped. And there just wasn't much to root for. the The team had no energy. They they didn't fight together. They, they didn't seem to necessarily care about each other. And that's when it starts to, as a fan, that's when it starts to feel like you're wasting your time because you, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to care more than, than what you think the players are caring. You know, like you, you want to root for guys who, um, who, who want it. And, And, and I don't know, like they probably did. I don't know what the dynamics are like, but you know as an NBA player and on an NBA team like uh, the difference between a great season a good season a okay season a bad season a terrible season I don't know what the all those dynamics are but I just know watching on TV you can tell when you know you think that like there's an energy and a cohesiveness with the group and the Pacers just definitely did not have it this season and um just frankly just like lost interest like you don't it's a lot it's it's, it's uh, you know, there's a lot of NBA games and they come at you pretty quickly throughout the week. And if you want to catch them all, um, it's kind of a commitment, it, you know, it, it's, uh, it, and so you just want to have some, you want to have something there to, to root for. So it, it fizzled out. It fizzled out. It was a disaster of a season. You know, I already, you know, I, I was way hyped up on Bjorkren. Um, obviously, you know, he, I don't know what... All, how much you blame to put on him because we haven't had any more success since he left. But, um, you know, definitely didn't take us higher. We, we, we sunk lower. Um, the team was just a disaster. I jotted down here. I remember Goga, speaking of being wrong about things, and, and this is what I'm, you know, uh, catching myself on. It's like, hey, you know, I remember the Pacers picked up Goga Batase and I think with the 18th pick, in one of these drafts. And I was so excited about having a new player. I got all hyped up about Goga. I bought a Goga jersey. Um, I thought Goga was going to be just like a diamond in the rough here that the Pacers were going to have. Same thing with Bjorkren. I th- I just want, I just hope and want so much for the, for new p- new people or personnel to, to succeed. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, give it some time. Like, don't just like start thinking that. I, I, I remember I said, I think Goga's, could potentially be an all-star it's like <laughs> you know obviously not um and I thought Bjorkren I said um, Bjorkren was like the it, basically I attributed all of the Toronto Raptors success to Bjorkren rather than Nick Nurse their head coach who's still there at Toronto and who's Toronto's doing well um so yeah just a little uh what's the I'm like overzealous with the new guy so you know uh, looking forward uh, something to just learn from as 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 a fan is like all right you know you don't need to get you don't need to get super super hyped up on on new guys but um that's that season so we're still you know i'm still still kind of looking at this victor oladipo era and this is the season that he gets traded so he's gone but there's still remnants right we still have sabonis there um obviously turner and um Brogdon guys that were with, with Oladipo, um, the Pacers decide, they, they knew right away Bjorken was not working. So he only made it one season. He gets fired. And then now we're, now we're in the land of, um, uh, the, the Pacers pod has stopped. So I I've done, I'm done recording, but now the seasons are still going. I so essentially, I kind of stopped watching most of the games, but I was still following along and, um, the Pacers end up that season losing in the play-in tournament, so they don't make the actual playoffs. And then uh, Bjorken gets fired, and then in comes Rick Carlisle. And now it starts to feel like um, something different is happening. and Because Rick Carlisle, obviously, he is a former head coach of the Indiana Pacers back in, like, he, he was the head coach. Um, was he the head coach when the Pacers made the finals against the Lakers in like 2000? Maybe. Um, but I, I know he coached like the Ron Artest, Jermaine O'Neal, some of those teams, some of the really good um, Indiana Pacers teams Rick Carlisle was a head coach for. And then, um, then he moved to Dallas and had a great great career with Dallas, went in the championship in 2011 uh, with Dirk and Jason Kidd um and then up until you know the carlisle gets hired by the pacers that season prior he was coaching luca Doncic still at dallas um so he's carlisle with winning the championship you know he's a pedigreed coach he's been with he knows indiana he knows the front office he knows herb simon the owner and uh relationships with kevin pritchard so he's just kind of a perfect 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 hire um and here we go, you know, so now we got Carlisle um, and we're headed into the season that we're speaking in currently, the 2021-2022 season. And there just was hope and uh, pedigree just kind of around the fact that Carlisle's here. Maybe he can fix this. Maybe he can make Turner and Sabonis and Brogdon and TJ Warren um, work together. I mean, there still was a lot of time. Oh, and Levert. there's, you know, I still sold myself on this team again because I look on paper and I'm like, yeah, we don't have a superstar, but we have a lot of good talent. Brogdon, Levert, Warren, Sabonis, Turner. I mean, those are five above average guys, one all-star, one borderline all-star, two 50-point-per-game threats, and a Defensive Player of the Year candidate in Miles Turner as you're starting five. I mean, like, on paper, this looked great, but, you know, just... Kind of like the trend of this Oladipo era, it just uh, it didn't produce, and, and, and injuries, of course, were an issue again. You know, T.J. Warren doesn't play at all this season. Um, Levert missed some time. Brogdon's missed some time, and with Rick Carlisle here, it was clear that like the the one other thing before, I, you know, I thought along with this, the talented starters that we potentially could have had. We also had a lot of great depth with Justin Holliday, um, T.J. McConnell, Chris Duarte, Jeremy Lamb, Torrey Craig. Like I thought like, the Pacers had assembled a team that, you know, sprinkling Rick Carlisle, let's do that coaching change again, and maybe he can get us firing. And it was just not the case. The Pacers this year started 1-6, and, and sometime during December, there was rumors out there where it's like, hey, the front office leaked that anybody's up for grabs. We're looking to we're looking to hit reset on the entire roster. Um, and that's exactly what happened. And that's what happened as of, you know, beginning of February here. So we're talking two, two three weeks ago. It started with Karis Levert. Levert gets traded to Cleveland for uh, Ricky Rubio, which at this point essentially is just a contract. And also the Cleveland Cavaliers first round pick this year. Now, Cleveland's doing pretty well. Um there might be the surprise team, uh, one of the surprise teams of the year. There might be in like fourth or fifth in the Eastern conference right now. So that draft pick is going to probably end up in the 20 to 24 pick range. Um, so not great, but you know, not bad either. It's a first round pick. Uh, it's an asset for sure. Um, but you know, so more so like we, we moved Levert and I think essentially it was just like, it's just not working. Um, him and Carlisle didn't seem to be um, too buddy-buddy. Uh, Levert was oftentimes, you know, this season it felt like he just was a selfish player. Like, I, I just don't think this team um, ever had it going where Levert's strengths, um, like, like Karis Levert, his strength is just being able to break a guy off the dribble, get a good shot you know do like score bucket when you need a bucket and this season and really his time in in indiana he just never to me just never looked it just didn't result in winning basketball so it's just tainted it's uh it's 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 one thing to score 20 points if your team is in the playoffs and it's another another thing to score 20 points and your team is going to be a lottery pick you know so it's like uh, winning matters and especially if you're looking at guys that are like looking at stats, but I don't know. I don't know why Levert didn't pop. It might just be uh, the fact that it's just been too stale in Indiana. And, you know, we're still looking at this Oladipo era in a sense, even though Levert was the guy that came in. It just, it, I don't know. It's just been dead. It's It's been dead. Um... He played so. If you look back at LeVert's career with the Pacers, he played in 74 games. He had solid numbers, but he just didn't give you anything, anything else from memory, like, um, like intangible wise, like toughness or energy or uh, picking guys up, uh, encouraging his teammates. There just wasn't any of that. He just kind of looked to get numbers, is what it felt like. as a bystander. Um, so. That was big, right? So when you looked at the, the the guys on the team entering the season, Brogdon, Levert, Warren, Savonis, Turner, you got rid of one of those big five. I mean, Levert gets traded, and essentially you're not bringing in a player; you're just getting in a, a draft pick, so a future asset. So it's like, all right, you know, we're deconstructing this team, and so I thought that was a good move. I uh, you would have ideally you would have thought you could. Like when we got Levert in the first place, I would have I, I had envisioned it being way better than this. I envisioned the Pacers winning games. I, I really thought Levert might be um, kind of like a, a an Oladipo in a sense where like he could he could be one of our I thought he could be our best player, um, and and he might just do he might be a well you know I'm looking at I think I know he got traded to Cleveland. He's pretty good, but I don't think he's actually doing that great to start with over there. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but Levert didn't didn't work out, um, unfortunately. Um, now the blockbuster. This and this this was the bookend of the Old Depot era. This is when the Pacers um, really kind of shocked the NBA and traded Demontis Sabonis, Justin Holiday, and Jeremy Lamb uh, to the Sacramento Kings for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heel and Tristan Thompson. Um, and you're looking at this one, really what matters is the Pacers traded Domas and the Kings traded Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald potentially. He might be in the conversation. I'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, but, you know, Domas is now gone and I feel uniquely free. Or is uniquely the word I'm looking for? I feel um, surprisingly free. When I looked at the Pacers team before this trade, Domas was one of the bright spots of one of the few bright spots of of this team that I, that I enjoyed. I loved Domas Sabonis. I, I, um, I loved Domas from the very beginning. I remember thinking, you know, whenever he was his first year at the Pacers and he was coming off the bench and I just remember him having such a high field goal percentage and it felt like you give this guy 18 minutes and he's going to have a double-double. Damn near a double-double. And you just give him 20, 21, 22 minutes a game. And he's right there at like 12 and 9. And I was like, you got to find more minutes for this guy. And sure enough, the Pacers, you know, they moved off with Thad Young, brought in Sabonis. And he, he I mean, Sabonis has been awesome as far as an individual basketball player. He's put up huge numbers. Um, he, did he make the All-Star team this year? I don't know. I know he made... He made the All Star team twice, though the last two seasons with the Pacers, um, and he was he was uh, he was probably my favorite player ever since you know that Victor Victor Oladipo injury. Um, Sabonis gave us triple doubles. He gave us uh, you know really good <laughs> screens. He's really good at setting screens and freeing up shooters and doing a little playmaking from that big man position. He was a nice he was a nice player to watch. I like Sabonis. Um, but man, it feels really, really good to move on. Um, Sabonis and Turner clearly weren't working out together as, uh, being able to play together. And so now I would have probably in a vacuum preferred, I definitely prefer Sabonis as a player to, to Turner, but I think it's hard to, it's going to be harder to build around Sabonis and with Turner Turner can kind of just be um, potentially we'll see what the Pacers decide to do with him, But Turner can be really good at just like being the sole center and not being the main focus, but just being a complimentary piece with Sabonis. He's so good. He almost needs to be the main focus. And that doesn't what's what it showed in Indianapolis uh, was that it didn't translate into winning basketball. So, you know, Depot gets traded, so you think that the era is over then. I'm proposing that now nah, the era was still going on because of Sabonis. So, like, was there a Sabonis era? Question mark. If so, um, you know, the Pacers were 46 and 74 since Victor got traded. So we've had zero success um, without Oladipo. Sabonis had zero success without Depot, Brogdon, zero. Turner, zero. Like, Warren, all these guys have sucked uh, when it comes to winning basketball games without Victor Oladipo. So um, if there was a Sabonis era, it was short-lived and the Pacers were terrible during it, so I'm just lumping it in. It was the Oladipo era. It peaked the very first season. It was heartbreak the second season. It was disappointment the third season. And it was death the fourth season. But, you know, with the death comes the rebirth. And you can, as a Pacers fan, you feel that now. You feel the rebirth um, so much so that it was like, man, if you once had a Pacers podcast, uh, you and you have thoughts about the about this team and this rebirth, it's like, dust off the mic, you know. And and that's exactly why I'm here because it's like Tyrese Halliburton, um, you know, he has the potential to be like the be- the best pacer player in history. Like, like he could be better than, than what um, Victor Oladipo ever was. Um, but I also want to kind of not jump all the way to like Halliburton's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But I think when you look at him, and I'm going to break him down a little bit, there's a lot to be excited for. The new era has begun from Paul George to Victor Oladipo, to Tyrese Halliburton. And now we are in it. We have Rick Carlisle here. We have Tyrese Halliburton. Where's number zero? Um, Six foot five. 21 years old. He'll be 22 at the end of February. Second year player from Iowa State. Uh, Born in Wisconsin. Family in Kokomo. Midwest guy. He... um, I mentioned he's six foot five. He, he's a pass first point guard that that can also really shoot the ball, like really really shoot the ball. He's got a jacked up form, but um, it goes in and he shoots from deep. Um, I don't know, I'm just like super excited about Tyrese Hallibur- Halliburton. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like Reggie Miller in the sense of that his the frame that he has. He's six foot five. He weighs 185 pounds. Um, he he looks, he's not, he's, he's still thin. I, I looked up pictures of him uh, whenever he was at Iowa State. And it was like, this dude looks like he has the build of like an elite cross country runner. We're talking like that thin of uh, muscular, but just very thin. And you can tell that he's getting um, more muscle now. But still, he's just a thin guy. Reminded me of Reggie Miller. I looked up Reggie. He was six foot seven. And weighed a one ninety five, so two inches taller, only ten pounds higher, or ten pounds more than than Tyrese. Um, but point being, Tyrese is slender. Uh, he's he's super long. Um, he's kind of uh, he's kind of like unassumingly athletic. It, I like the fact that he rocks the short shorts. Um, that's uh, that's pretty nice. It kind of goes along with that cross country theme. Um, Prior to coming to Indiana, so he was picked, so like I said, this is his second year in the league. Um, he was picked 12th uh, by the Sacramento Kings, who already had De'Aaron Fox as their starting point guard. They bring in Halliburton, um, who I think may have been projected like a top 10 pick. I think he was one of the guys that was kind of sliding in that draft, um, but he did not. He, he. I remember listening to Bill Simmons, and Bill Simmons was talking about how Halliburton you know is is of the draft like the Kings got so lucky to, that he fell to them and so far that seems to be true but somehow the you know the, the Pacers out of nowhere you, you know got Halliburton um I mean we had to give up our two-time all-star to get him but to get a 22 year old you know uh dynamic point guard uh with a lot of room to grow I you know I think you make that trade a hundred times out of a hundred times and uh, I remember seeing a lot of or not a lot but some of the things I was looking up about the trade but you'd find uh, it seems like the rest of the league was kind of shocked that the Pacers were able to get Tyrese Halliburton for just that package of you know Sabonis and, Tur- or Sabonis and Lamb and Justin Holliday. I think I think that Tyrese Halliburton's trade value throughout the league um, was probably much higher than that so uh, kudos to kudos to the management on the Pacers for getting this guy in here, and um, you know that's what we needed. We 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 desperately desperately needed to hit restart. Um, Tyrese comes in as he's alpha number one man. This is his franchise. Um, this is his to build. This is his um, to share to create a culture um, that would. You know, what we would hope that we would start to get vibes from that first season with Vic again, you know, where the guys are, uh, you know, running to pick each other up off the court play and and, and that it would not just be having fun, but that it would translate into winning meaningful basketball games, specifically in the playoffs as this team grows. Um, So there's just new life. There's there's a ton of new life. Uh, I remember the first game. So Halliburton's been with the Pacers now for four. He's played four games. I'm recording this. Um, the Pacers actually, uh, this this is during the All Star break, so it's like we have Hal, we had Halliburton for four games, then All Star break, and then tomorrow actually is their first game post All Star break. Um, tw- I think there's there's 22 games left in the season, so we get to see you know Halliburton and then the guys play for th- these next 22 games. But um, the very first game, the first quarter with with Halliburton in the new the new era, is the Pacers lay down forty seven points in the first quarter. You know, I mean that's on pace for one hundred and what threes, points in a regulation game. They were just raining threes. We were doing alley oop. There were alley oop lobs to Isaiah Jackson, and my wife and I were high fiving more in that first quarter than we had high fives in the previous two seasons. I mean, it was so much fun watching that game. I remember just, it was like, uh, that's what it's supposed to be about. This is it. it, And the Pacers ended up losing the game. Um, and it didn't matter. You know, at at this point, it's kind of like, we kind of want them to continue to lose because we've started so bad, uh, this season being 20 and 40, um, you know we're kind of in line for a really good draft pick, so you don't necessarily care if we lose to kind of um, lock yourself into a higher draft pick. Um, but I definitely, you know, it, it felt different, and it, and it you eventually want to see W's. Um, but uh, regardless, it, it was super exciting. Um, yeah, I mean Tyrese is just, I think he could be really special. And I really enjoyed watching him play these first four games, and look, really look forward to like kind of watching more closely as we as we get to see him play as a pacer more and more. Um, he's really a fat a uh, uh, pass first point guard. He's looking for his teammates. He's averaging um, over eleven assists a game with the win these four with the Pacers. Twenty one points, four rebounds, two point three steals. from three he's a he's a career always above 40% um from three-point land um yeah like you know he's just a he's a he seems to be a good defender um long athletic perimeter defender something that the pacers really haven't had um like you certainly weren't getting that from Levert Levert was more like kind of he you know he had like an ole defense he was um like the guys with the the um like the uh what's it called like the towels not a towel like the bull fighters you know what are those like hey come here bull come get this come get this thing oh hey that's like how carousel vert was playing defense on the perimeter. it's like you know guys can just kind of hey go right past him um hopefully we see that a little different with halliburton you know we don't we he, he gets guys makes it a little tougher to get to the rim which if you can keep if you know if turner comes in and and still play is still playing and uh is that elite shot blocker with less guys going in there it's like man this Pacers defense could take a could really improve with the addition of some perimeter defense um so so Halliburton um really affects the game on both ends of the court uh which is going to be huge he's great two-way player here and um yeah I'm I'm just really excited to see what see what he can kind of get us into as we move forward um Another thing about Halliburton that you, I think you, that stands out. And I watched a couple like uh, press conference videos of him since he's been in Indiana is just his intangibles. And this is what everybody says. And, and it's always happy at this time when you bring a new guy in, but um, you know, it, it'd be different if, if he didn't have this yet, but like, he has really positive attitude. Um, I think he seems like someone who just takes a lot of joy in seeing his teammates succeed. He seems very humbled. Uh, like, you know, he's, he, uh, and he should be humble. He hasn't done anything yet. Like, it's not like he's won any playoff games or even taken a team to the playoffs yet. Um, he's young. He should be absorbing um, the knowledge of the league that he can, but he, he seems to be interested in doing that and doesn't seem to be uh, too caught up in what his individual game is doing. And uh, you know what you can say as a fan so far, uh, the, the Pacers management seems to be 100% bought in Tyrese Halliburton uh in in one of the press conferences Pritchard mentioned that you know he's he's the point guard or he has the chance he's like basically our point guard for the next 10 years um so what does that say for Malcolm Brogdon who's currently our point guard or was our point guard um frankly it doesn't really matter um specifically on Tyrese though uh we have a new stud you know I, I can't wait to just start to to see him play more, to, to pick up things on his game, to try to figure out like, all right, maybe like where could he possibly improve? Um, how high can Halliburton fly? You know, is he uh, is he an All Star? Uh, I think I think you could definitely say he could be an All Star, especially with his own team in Indiana. If we start winning some games, um, is he All NBA? Ooh, uh, now you're. You're kind of starting to stretch the limits here. you the only 15 of those guys per season. Uh, he's going to have to be doing something really special um, to, to be all to be All NBA, which is what Oladipo did that first season. He made an All NBA team. Um, so like now that we're in the next era, you know, okay, well Halliburton kind of needs to check that box in order to you know it's it's one of the measurements against Oladipo too. It's like uh, it doesn't mean that Halliburton's going to have a failed career if he doesn't make all NBA team in with the Pacers. Like we could maybe win a championship with him and him not make that mark. But knowing that Oladipo made it one season, you'd like to think, all right, well maybe Halliburton can be all NBA as well. And just how long can he, how long can he do it? Like, what is his ceiling? That's something that um, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out on and trying to figure out, you know, what we might have here with him. Um, Let's see here. I'm gonna take a sip here. Okay, so a couple more things I had down. Um, Along with the rebirth of this team, Halliburton, there's just there's some really positive momentum I think for the franchise, and and as a fan, I think you should be looking now. Like we should, we should. I think we had every right to turn our backs on this team and the product that we were. you know, the, the brand of basketball that, that was representing the Pacers, it sucked. And, and I don't have any shame or, or, um, you know, any, they know shame in my game for, for stopping and watching them, you know, you got to bring it. Well, they're starting, they're doing some things that I think, you know, it's all right, let's, let's, let's give these guys another look. I mean, you got a potential star with Tyrese Halliburton. We've got a new coach, new staff. Um, and like I mentioned before, pedigreed, I mean, Rick Carlisle has a championship. Um, one of the assistant coaches, I think the lead assistant is Lloyd Pierce, um, who is, a, is a, he had coached in Atlanta um, with Trey Young. He got fired. Actually, Nate McMillan took his job. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, Lloyd Pierce had been with Team USA. He, he's very, uh, I would say, respected around the league as a young, uh, promising, up-and-coming coach. He'll probably... I think like, the, you know, he'll probably end up having his own team again. Uh, but for now, it's like, all right, what can he do um, with this with this new team, with with Halliburton, with some of these young guys? Um, can we get our defense back in shape? Um, and so, yeah, just, uh, you know, a new staff, new coach. They had two hits on last year's lottery or uh, in, the, in the draft with Chris Duarte. Uh, so the Pacers. Yeah. So they didn't make the playoffs right with Bjorkman. Um, so that put them at the very back end of the lottery. So they ended up getting the 13th overall pick and they drafted Chris Duarte, an older, uh, an older rookie. I think he was 24. Uh, but a rookie that I was excited about and a lot of the, a lot of the league, uh, like commentators and stuff were excited about Duarte as well. Um, he's 24, like I mentioned, but he kind of has a different, he had a different, uh, path to the NBA, where he's from, I'm, I'm doing this off of just memory, so I, th- I think I'm right on this. I think he's from the Dominican Republic. And I think he maybe moved to New York City, maybe like in high school, uh, and played basketball there. And then from high school, he goes to like a junior college, played two years at a junior college, proved that he was good enough to go D1, so then transfers to the University of Oregon. And I think he played two seasons at Oregon, Then when you throw that transfer year in there, I I think that's five years from the time you leave high school. And so you're looking at a 24-year-old rookie. Um, Downside is he's 24. I mean, Halliburton's already been in his second season. He's only 21. Uh, But the upside is you got a polished player who's ready to come in and compete and contribute right away. Um, And Duarte's looked good. Like, he... um, he hasn't been he hasn't been great but he's definitely been good he's definitely something i think at the bare minimum duarte is a guy that you can come off your bench and be like a part of a really good bench unit uh contribute one of your he can be part of an eight-man roster in the playoffs i think um that that's certainly within his reach and i'm definitely not ready to count out him being much better than that um As a rookie, you know you gotta say like, well, like let's let's see what he looks like as a second year guy to start with. Um, He's he's had moments where like he's hit some big shots. He um, he's got good size. I think he's at like six six, decent, not not great athletically, but like average athletically, Um, solid on the defense, uh, defensive end. I don't know. I just I think I think that there's that they definitely hit on Duarte. Like you, you got somebody that you can not necessarily build around, but build with. And same thing with the. So the Pacers had two first round picks this, this past season. Got Duarte at 13. And then they got Isaiah Jackson at pick number 22. Isaiah Jackson um, is my kind of player. Like he's like one of my he's like my f- f- prototype body that i love um with nba players it started like kevin garnett would be like one of the first guys i remember being like man that would be like that's the kind of body that i would want to have if i was in the nba i want to be like 6'10, 6'11, 7 foot like thin and like athletic and i loved just like just pinning shots against the backboard catching alley-oops um just being long and lean and quick and that's what Hal—or not Halliburton. Halliburton kind of is, but he's only six foot five. But Isaiah Jackson—he is certainly that. He came came from Kentucky. I think he was only there one season, maybe two seasons at Kentucky. Um, but he's got—he's kind of got one of those games that's just kind of. Uh, there's a lot of spots that are undeveloped, but he's really, really good at certain things. He's really good at using his athleticism to catch lobs, uh, which was so much fun watching him in that. Uh, you know. Pacers never have alley oops, and and when Jackson's in there, it's like we have a lot of a legitimate lob threat. With Halliburton looking to get guys involved, that's something that we could see a lot of. Is just, you know, Halliburton to uh, Jackson alley oops. That's fine by me. Um, Yeah, and so the Pacers hit. I'm just, I need to kind of back up a little bit. I'm the, the the franchise momentum is. You got Duarte, you got Isaiah Jackson. These are two guys that I'm excited about moving forward. Uh, no, another piece of franchise momentum is the fact that they've been so bad this season. You know, we've got a really, we're in line for a really good pick. Um, currently, the Pacers are slotted for like the fifth pick. If it goes chalk, basically, they've got the fifth worst record. Um, there's only 22 games left in the season. So even if the Pacers start winning games, which I'm not necessarily opposed to, you um, You know, at best, they're gonna maybe they slip into like seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth uh, worst record. So you're still looking at probably a top ten pick, even if you if you start winning a lot of games, you're not going to make the playoffs this year. Um, And uh, you could still get a good draft pick. That's definitely going to be an asset uh, moving forward. And then you also have the Cleveland Cavaliers first round pick this season. Uh, So you got you're looking at a pick in that twenty to twenty four range. You know the previous season, you get Isaiah Jackson. You know what can you do now? Another another momentum, uh, another piece of momentum that the Pacers have is that they've got a bunch of cap space, or they will have cap space, meaning they they could sign players from free agency or offer contract extensions, and they have a lot of uh, they just have a lot of flexibility. More so, I don't know a ton about the cap space, so um, but but what it does with some of these moves, like getting rid of Levert and not really absorbing a player yet. It just gives you a lot of flexibility uh, moving forward. So we get, I think, and and that leads me into like the last little section that I've got for this episode, which is, um, you know, what what to look for moving forward. Like, where do we go from here? What do we do now? What does this team look like after the All-Star break? And um, I think the flexibility is one of those things that's going to be good once we see what we have you know, help the, help, the, help the management make moves in this offseason. Um, so what are we doing? Are we uh, retooling as a franchise? Basically saying like, yo, like we still have some good pieces here. Uh, we still have Brogdon. We still have Turner. We still have TJ Warren. Uh, we just want to retool. We want to just, we added in Halliburton. Uh, we added in Buddy Heald. We have Chris Duarte. Uh, we have Isaiah Jackson. We're going to have our lottery pick. You know that's that's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, I can, I can kind of get behind it. And the the thing that just stinks is that, um, Turner, Brogdon, and Warren have been part of this core, has been have been core of the team that's just sucked for the past two seasons, and and has had no life. It just, they they just at this point they just feel like dead wood, and the fact that all three of those guys. Haven't played with the new group. They haven't played with Halliburton yet. Uh, it was kind of funny um, when the Pacers made the trade, like moving Sabonis. The Pacers traded away like five or six of their guys at the, at, you know, just a couple weeks ago. And so we're watching these last four games, and all the veterans who, you know, sh- like you had. You look on the bench, and it's Brogdon, it's Warren, it's Turner, it's T.J. McConnell. These guys that are on the team, but they're just not on the team. And it just kind of felt it was so much fun, and they weren't out there. And it just feels like, or a big question moving forward is like, how, how can they, um, how can they get in here and mix it up with this new group if we're going to retool? If this is just a retool, and you know, and if it is best case scenario, it's like, hey man, maybe Malcolm Brogdon and Tyrese Halliburton are a great backcourt together, and maybe Malcolm Brogdon, um, who is going to play tomorrow, which is huge. Like, I'm so excited for this game tomorrow to watch Brogdon and, and Halliburton play together. But maybe he's maybe he's comfortable with this move. Maybe it's not all like, um, you know, screw the Pacers, like this was supposed to be my team. Um, how dare they bring in a younger, better, or like a younger, um, more exciting player to be the face of the franchise. Like, what about me? Yeah, I I, I don't know if he would take that approach or not. Uh, but if he's willing to just move you know, kind of move off the ball. Definitely um, get the ball out of Brogdon's hand. Like it, the Halliburton needs the ball. Not every time, but like, you know, eight out of ten possessions, it needs to be Halliburton bringing it up if they're going to coexist together. So can Brogdon coexist with Halliburton? And if he can, um, that, that could be a good, that could be a really good backcourt with Duarte maybe coming off the bench or Heald coming off the bench. Uh, maybe Turner, right? Turner, no more Sabonis. You know, maybe he's satisfied and yeah, maybe maybe he can get maybe a couple more shots a game, a couple more rebounds a game. And uh, if if maybe maybe Miles really benefits from, you know, just getting some bonus out of there and and not necessarily like I think. OK, so one of the things that I feel like the old Pacers team had was just when Vic left, like who whose team was it? That question, I don't feel like ever got answered. Like, I don't know if it was Brogdon's team. I don't know if it was Sabonis' team. I don't think it was Miles Turner's team. And it certainly wasn't TJ Warren's team. But, like, you could kind of make a case for all four of those guys being maybe your best player. It, definitely not. Miles Ma- Turner, no. But he might think he is in, in ways because he's such good, so good at blocking shots. But we didn't have a best player. Now we do. And... Management says we do. I think um, the team is going to have to know that Tyrese Halliburton is the best. And I, frankly, if it, the writing may be already be on the wall for Turner, Warren, and Brogdon. Um, but if it's not, these twenty-two games are going to decide. Like, well, can they coexist? Can those guys kind of fall in line and be vets, be good veterans to Halliburton? And I, in in on one hand, I hope they are because I look at this this potential lineup that we could have if we just kind of do a retool and we don't really make any big any more moves this off season that's just, that's a pretty good team like turner could be a lot better without sabonis um you know i i just think that uh he could be and Brogdon could be really good if he comes off the ball um you know maybe you you definitely like lower Brogdon's minutes and make it so that he could be available more if that would be possible um we'll see uh another guy you know that i'm really excited to see you know play is buddy healed he, he in his four games he's been he's had a couple of really good games he's definitely had some kind of bonehead like scratch your head moves or or, or um like possessions but buddy healed is straight up a, a gunner he is um well i mean halliburton is maybe the best shooter that we've had in a while but buddy healed certainly is up there he is um He's third in the NBA in total three-point field goals made this season uh, behind Steph Curry and Fred Van Fleet. So Buddy Heald puts up the three-pointers, and he hits them a lot. Um, He almost had a triple-double so far with the Pacers. Now, once again, it's like these stats don't mean anything. The Pacers are losing these games. Um, But looking at Buddy Heald, I'm intrigued. I I think that there might be a role for him, um, but I also could see him not really fitting and the Pacers wanted to move on with him. And, and, and um, you know, maybe Buddy Healed kind of bumps in with Chris Duarte a little too much. Uh, but maybe not. We'll see. I'm excited to see Buddy play and, and kind of get a better look at him. Um, TJ Warren, right? What Are we going to get to see TJ Warren play this year? This is the last year of his contract. So the Pacers will have a decision to make if they want to offer him up again. Um, he's certainly TJ Warren's stock has got to be at an all-time low. Well, maybe not all-time low, but, uh, it's certainly very far away from where he was after the bubble when he had put up the 53 piece on, uh, the heat. So does he suit up? Do the Pacers bring him back? Uh, what do we do with him? Those are questions I am interested in, uh, because TJ Warren could be a very interesting piece of this team, um, either with the team or as an asset to maybe get something else. Or I don't know, maybe it's just he's done and he's gone and and that was it. Uh, I'm really excited to continue to see Chris Duarte finish out his rookie season. Um, hopefully he can make one of the all-rookie teams uh, with Karis Lavert out. We should see a ton of minutes. Now Brogdon's back, so maybe, maybe Duarte doesn't get a bunch of minutes. Right now he's a little banged up. I don't think he's ready to play tomorrow but we should see you know we should definitely see Duarte um he like I said before he's he's definitely good he's something but uh the question is how, how good is he how much how much is he same thing with Isaiah Jackson how good is he um I really want to see and I know Isaiah's planning to play tomorrow he's missed a couple games with injury too um but is Isaiah Jackson like is he somebody does he show flashes of being good enough to be a starting center like Do we maybe just move on from Miles Turner and give that role to Isaiah Jackson? Or is he better off as a backup? Backup big? uh, Backup big running? Like a a rim running big? Give him another year to develop? He's still young. Um, Super excited about Isaiah Jackson. Probably even a little bit more. I don't know. Who am I more excited about? Duarte or Jackson? Um, I don't know. Uh, And and then I think the last thing, too, you know, that we want to see sorted out in the rest of this season is there's a lot of young guys on this team who have been, um, because of all the injuries that the Pacers have had this year, that we've had a lot of young guys getting minutes that you didn't think were going to get minutes. And um, they've been putting up good numbers. Um, Good numbers do not equal good players, especially like, you know, because like the Pacers have been losing every single game. So it's hard to. It's hard to get super excited about Terry Taylor, uh, this six foot five, you know, G League guy that the Pacers brought up, who seems to just be like a, a walking double double uh, when he gets minutes. Or O'Shea Brissett, you know, a guy who's who has shown flashes of, um, you know, maybe he's something. Uh, you got Dwayne Washington Jr. So you got guys that are um, they're young, they're putting up good numbers, they're showing flashes. It's not, the Pacers aren't winning any games, but from now until the end of the season, hopefully what the management can do is kind of sort out, um, what's that expression? The wheat from the chaff. So get the good stuff out of that and then kind of let the rest fade away. Um, And that's what I want to see. Uh, And I'm excited to see that. So what we have now is... Pacers are back in action. 22 games left. Um, what's can't wait to watch Tyrese. Tyrese and Malcolm. Buddy Heald. Isaiah Jackson. Um, one guy I haven't really talked about, but I probably will talk about more uh, moving forward is Jalen Smith. The Pacers traded Tory Craig this. Uh, Torrey Craig was a new guy this season uh, on the Pacers, and they moved him for uh, Jalen Smith, who was a... 10th pick in last year's NBA draft. So he was actually picked ahead of Halliburton in, in last year's draft by the Suns. And the he just couldn't carve out a spot in the Suns' rotation. And granted, Phoenix is really good. I think they've got the best record in the league. Um, but they were willing to part ways with like a young, um, raw, potential talent with Jalen Smith in order to get Tory Craig. And so, and what's happened in the four games is Jalen Smith has looked really good. And then sometimes he looks damn good. Yeah. Something about he's probably 6'10, 6'11. He's he's long, he's built, and when you see him outside the three-point arc stroking threes, um, and then inside, you know, grabbing rebounds and dunking, you're like, what did we what did we just get here? Um I listened to like so it, under normal circumstances I would be super excited about Jalen Smith. I would be thinking, man, like this is is he better than you know? Maybe Isaiah Jackson. Like maybe maybe Jalen Smith is the guy that we re- we really want to invest in, or or maybe you you just you let Turner go and and you just invest in both Jackson and Smith. I don't know. I like both guys a lot, but um, from some of the other podcasts I've listened to, it sounds like there's something with his contract where it's like it is not guaranteed that the pace. It, it seemed like it was not likely that the Pacers would be able to keep Jalen Smith on the roster for next season. Almost like. Maybe his stock has gotten too. Um, like, he's probably noticed now around the league, and he'll be getting, like, some good like offers that the Pacers couldn't match, maybe. I don't know. There's some sort of technicality um, in the contract situation where it's like it seemed that Jalen Smith was somebody that you didn't want to get attached to because, like, the odds of the Pacers bringing him back were really low. And I'm not sure exactly why or the details on that, but he's definitely someone that is. Uh, you know, you can get excited about to see. Um, And he could be a potential, like, building piece, too. Uh, So, yeah, you know, wrapping it up here, um, the Victor Oladipo era has come to an end. Sabonis is gone. Um, Part of me thinks that it's almost like it it kind of mirrors, in some ways, um, what... Like the world, what, what's happened in the world, what's happened personally in my life? Like, there's kind of like an old way of doing things. Um, and then there was kind of like a, a point where that stopped. And then now there's like a new way of doing things, a, a, a new era is has, has being ushered in. Um, you know, personally, like I, my, me and my wife, we are going to be celebrating 10 years of marriage in uh, June. And we had twin girls in October of 2021. So I've got four. I got two four-month-old daughters uh, across the hall listening in on this uh, on this podcast. They're probably wondering what the hell I'm doing. Um, but you know that means it. And it's 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 awesome. I love being a dad. Uh, it brings a lot of purpose, and it might have actually played a part in me stopping doing the podcast when I did. Um, it, it maybe it just seemed like a waste of time uh, to, um, t- to like to follow a team so closely and, and to kind of like uh, mentally like try to be taking notes of like what's going on, knowing that I was going to be a dad and the team wasn't, didn't give you anything to really get excited about. So it's like there's a lot of other things to prepare for. Now that Now that the girls are here, and um like like the new the new era has been ushered in and it just kind of feels like well same thing with the pacers you know new era is here and uh let's pick it up and let's see what happens like uh i I don't know but um yeah so anyways i think that that's going to be all for episode 62 where we are back um i appreciate uh appreciate any listens out there and um yeah, we'll we'll see what we'll see what goes on moving forward. I, I'm I'm excited to watch this team and to watch Tyrese Halliburton and um, uh, see what see what this next era has in store. So peace and love to everybody out there, and uh, everybody take care. Thank you.